Hello, everyone. Lindsay here. And Marshall. We're still on vacation, but we'll be back soon with brand new episodes of Tumble. In the meantime, though, we've got some great news to share with you. At the end of this month, we'll be launching the second season of our Spanish-language show, Tumble en Español. Alvaro and Noria will be exploring awesome stories of science discovery, releasing a new episode every month. If you speak Spanish or if you're learning Spanish, go check it out and tell a friend. So while you're waiting for that and more new episodes of Tumble, today we're sharing with you one of our favorite episodes from last season, The Science of Butts. It is definitely one of my favorites. <laughs> I know. <laughs> so if you're ready for some awesome butt science... Let's go ahead with the episode. Hi, I'm Lindsay. And I'm Marshall. Welcome to Tumble, the show where we explore stories of science discovery. Today, we're talking about the science of butts. Ooh, this is going to be a buttload of fun. <laughs> we'll be getting to the bottom of a cheeky mystery with the help of a brave reporter who wasn't afraid to ask, but why? <laughs> right after this. Just a warning for sensitive listeners, this episode involves lots of mentions of the word butt and other words for the posterior region of animal bodies. If you feel that's not appropriate for you and your family, we recommend checking out another episode. But if you're into learning about butts, listen to this episode and stay tuned for a very special song at the end. Catherine Wu is one of my favorite science writers because she's always turning up amazing stories about the animal world. I've really been fascinated by like animal behavior. What are strange things that birds are doing with their nests? What are the things that frogs do to attract each other? So it's like a lot of the questions that our listeners ask us. Yes, Catherine is like a professional kid question asker. Anything weird or quirky in the natural world is a pretty good bet for getting my attention. Sometimes one weird or quirky story leads to another, which is how Catherine ended up writing an article, which I consider the masterpiece of butt science journalism. I was writing about spiders and how they produce silk, which, you know, comes out of their rear ends. Catherine began to wonder what the rear end of a spider is actually called. And then I remember having this moment where I thought, do spiders have butts? I guess this gets back to one of the fundamental science type questions we have, which is, what do we mean by butt? <laughs> <laughs> Catherine had no idea, and she fell into a web of bigger butt questions. What is a butt? What counts as a butt? Is it, you know, a butt hole? Is it the fleshy thing that some primates have? I mean, I guess I always thought of that as the area between like our back and our legs. But I guess I could see how you'd want to get like a lot more specific. Catherine asked this question on social media. And what she heard back was anything but a straight answer. Everyone had their own idea of what makes a butt a butt. The fact that people were disagreeing over that was like, huh, somehow this is not settled science. And you would totally think it is, right? Like every animal has to have an opening to like get rid of waste. I guess I would think scientists would have to have a working definition of a butt at the very least. Well, it depends on what you mean when you say the word butt. 
I think what's so interesting is that some of us say but, and it's this general term that we use as like a catch-all. It's anything kind of in the posterior of an animal. It's maybe like where the poop comes out, or it's the fleshy stuff around where the poop comes out. Oh, so we're totally going there, aren't we? (laughs) Catherine eventually came to the conclusion that butts or buttocks require cheeks. Most animals just have the poop hole, known as the anus. My original interest uh, was actually about anuses, but anus is a very difficult term to use, I think, without shocking some people. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that that just sounds like kind of gross for reasons, I don't know, I can't explain. Like, butt is funny, anus is just, that's icky. Yeah, just when you said it like that, I was it's, like, ugh. ugh. So I think sometimes we say, but when we actually mean anus, and it just makes it sound a little more palatable. I think I'm just going to say but for like everything around there. <laughs> That's completely understandable because there's a feeling that it's not appropriate to talk about butts, at least in the United States. And that was a big part of Catherine's curiosity on the subject. A lot of us carry some sort of taboo around it. We don't want to talk about it. And why is that? It's kind of this evolutionary marvel. Catherine decided that she had to get to the bottom of this mystery. She began reading up on the science, and what she found surprised her. No one is actually sure where the anus come from, how it evolved, and that was kind of my first clue. She knew she was on to something. Where do butts come from? So, like, uh, what was the first poop shoot? Exactly. And when it comes to parts of the body, this is a common type of question. How did our heads come to be? How did our arms come to be? How did our hearts and livers come to be? But very few scientists were asking, how did the anus come to be? Catherine wondered how she was going to find those interviews. Oh my gosh, who am I going to talk to about this? Like, who is the world's leading expert on butts and anuses? That's kind of an amazing job title. Like, do you aspire to that, or is it just sort of like what happens? Like, well, I guess no one knows as much about butts as me. Catherine said that the world's top butt and anus scientists weren't actually hard to find. They weren't hiding, but not many people were coming looking for them. They were happy to talk to Catherine. The first thing I noticed was it was so refreshing to talk to people who just had no trouble saying the word anus. They were just dropping anus bombs all over the place, and it was great. (laughs) Those might be the most deadly bombs on the planet. (laughs) One big anus bomb is that the evolution is actually really hard to study, for a reason beyond the fact that it's weird to say. There are no anus fossils. It's a fleshy opening. You know, when we think about fossils and what was going on with animals like millions and millions of years ago, we're thinking about their bones. But an anus is not going to be one of those things that fossilizes. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense because, like, fossils are the big clues in evolution and anuses just don't leave a fossil behind. So it's really hard to think back and say, hey, when did the first one come about and what might it have looked like? To get around the fossil problem, scientists put anuses into the bigger picture of animal evolution. If we think all the way back to the first kind of animal bodies, they were probably just kind of blobs, like big sacks. These blobby animals ate absorbed nutrients and got rid of their waste, but they had just one hole to do it all. 
Think of it like a, a parking garage. Once it's full up, you can't really add more stuff. You can't eat until you're finished digesting your last meal. And so having a, a second hole means, you know, that parking garage kind of turns into a highway and stuff can go in while the middle is still occupied. So she's saying with a second hole, like you don't have to let your next chance for a meal pass you by. Exactly. So there's a really good reason to make an anus. It means you're flying past all the other animals with more energy to do other things like evolve arms, legs, anything you want. And the sky's the limit when you have a poop hole. <laughs> I mean, it is. Just look at birds. They're flying, they're pooping in the sky. <laughs> But anyhow, Catherine discovered that anus scientists had a couple big questions. When did the first anus appear? Like how many millions or maybe even billions of years ago did the first butt debut? <laughs> exactly. Um, and also, how did it appear? Like how did this opening come to be? So basically, how did we make a butt? Yes. And there's a few theories about it. You start with a mouth. It's, you know, it's a hole. How do you turn that into a tunnel? Can you basically keep tunneling through till you get to the other side? Can you split that single hole into two and then just kind of elongate it into like a straw? You know, there's lots of ways to go about it. Well, there's more than one way to make a butt, I guess. But without fossils, how could we possibly know? There's a couple ways. One is to look at animals that are still around today that scientists think look a lot like how animals first looked, like millions and millions of years ago. Scientists look at simple animals that still have that balloon body and look for clues of the beginnings of an anus. Another thing to look at is, you know, there are some worms and things like that out there where uh, some members of their family tree uh, they have anuses and others don't, or they have, you know, multiple anuses um, or anuses that even come and go. Hold on. Anuses that come and go? Like sometimes this is my armpit, sometimes it's my butt. <laughs> <laughs> well, a scientist in Catherine's article called this a sometimes butt, which is a phrase <laughs> that really stuck out to me. <laughs> it's on something called a comb jelly. And it simply vanishes when it's done pooping. <laughs> its existence is an interesting angle to the whole anal debate. What if an animal was able to sort of turn its butt on and off, and then at some point, one of its descendants split off and just kept the butt around forever? So it's kind of like leaving the light on after you use the bathroom. Like, sure, you could turn it off. It's just more work to turn it on once you need to use it again. <laughs> exactly. As long as you're not paying bills on that butt. Scientists are constantly discovering surprise anuses, and sometimes they have the potential to rewrite anus history. <laughs> so any anus could change the annals of history. Exactly. And scientists think different anuses evolved in different ways. While ours is basically the end of a waste tunnel, other anuses are meant for more. The human anus, I think, is not that special. Um, there are other anuses out there that do so many diverse things. Like there are some animals that are able to breathe through their anus or attack other animals through their anus. I feel like you could make the argument that humans also use their anuses as weapons. Silent, but deadly. Farts really aren't the same as like an actual defense mechanism. I don't know, for some people. <laughs> so will we ever have answers to all these like burning butt questions? 
I think this is one of those things that is so old that, you know, I, I never want to say never, but I think this will keep scientists employed for a very long time. So she's saying they'll stay on the trail of the booty. <laughs> yes. Scientists are making fascinating discoveries about all sorts of anuses along the way. But Catherine thinks we may never have a unified theory of anal evolution. And that's a story in itself. When I first started investigating the anus, I thought this would be so straightforward. Everyone's going to agree. There's going to be one straightforward story. But now it was rife with controversy. People disagreed with each other. I started worrying, am I going to make someone really mad when I write this? And she also found herself even more curious about anus scientists' lives. I sort of wondered, what is it like when you go home for Thanksgiving and, and like grandma's like, how's the anus science going? Or like, does everyone just pretend that you don't work on that? Maybe grandma's just telling all her friends, oh, oh yes, my grandson is a scientist and just leaves it there. <laughs> totally. Oh, what does he study? <laughs> mm, science. <laughs> I mean, it's something that people don't really want to talk about at dinner. And while Catherine's article turned out to be full of quirky and weird details, it had a serious message. Butts are important, too. I think what has really struck me about learning about the anus is this is our butts, our bottoms, our posteriors. But what's so cool is, you know, the anus is fundamental to the origin of what it means to be human. So, you know, we need to learn a little bit more about our ends to understand our beginnings. If you find sometimes that you don't need a butt, and other times you do, well, it seems a sometimes butt could be the tool for you. Lots of creatures might find they don't really mind when they have to poo. Simply opening up and creating a butt, and that's what they all do. Cause it's a sometimes Dr. Catherine Wu, staff writer at The Atlantic. That's where you can read her masterpiece of butt science journalism, The Body's Most Embarrassing Organ is an Evolutionary Marvel, and the rest of her fantastic writing. 
We'll have a link to it on the blog on our website, along with more fascinating videos, podcasts, and articles about tushies across the animal kingdom. That's at sciencepodcastforkids.com. And hear more from Catherine Wu in our special bonus interview episode, available to patrons who pledge just a dollar a month on patreon.com slash tumblepodcast. Sarah Robertson Lentz edited this episode and designed the episode art. Eric Kuhn is our engineer and mixer. I'm Lindsay Patterson, and I wrote this episode. And I'm Marshall Escamilla, and I make all of the music. The very special song, Sometimes But, was sung by Erica Fink and written by me, along with Lindsay Patterson and help from Eric Kuhn and Erica Fink. Tumble is a production of Tumble Media. Thanks for listening, and stay tuned for more stories of science discovery. Thanks so much for listening to that episode. And now that it's over, we've got some birthday shoutouts to give to all of our supporters on Patreon. Tess, happy birthday to the sweetest and smartest girl around. Mom and dad and Charlie love you so much. Ted Webb, happy birthday on January 8th to our future scientist. Mom and dad love you and are so proud of you. Dear Rashawn, you are an incredible seven-year-old. Always stay curious. Mommy, daddy, and Ari love you to the moon and back. And happy birthday on January 9th. Charlotte Moe, Mommy, Daddy, and Eloise love you so much, and happy birthday on January 11th. Milo, happy birthday to you on January 12th. Romy, you have the best questions. Here's to a year of new paths and new answers. Your family loves you, and happy birthday on January 13th. Happy birthday to Azariah on January 13th as well. Cole Grinder, your curiosity is contagious. Happy birthday on January 14th from Grancy, Mom, and Robert. Sam Jodwin, happy birthday from the podcast. We hope you have a great one on January 14th. Tommy, your parents love you, and happy birthday on January 15th. Happy January 15th birthday also to Xavier. Don't ever lose your desire to learn. To Orla Dever, always be a unicorn, and happy birthday on January 16th. And lastly, happy birthday to Elika on January 16th as well. Thanks to all of you and to everyone who supports Tumble on Patreon. If you want to get a birthday shout-out of your own like these fine folks, simply support Tumble on Patreon at the $5 level or higher by going to patreon.com slash tumblepodcast. Once again, that's patreon.com slash tumblepodcast.